Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, we're back for another episode on the problem of evil, and we're continuing our main topic this week about suffering and what good the suffering might be that you and I endure. And as I said on Monday, today we're going to look at the sort of side topic of so-called gratuitous suffering. Now, gratuitous suffering could best be defined as suffering for which there is no purpose. And an example of this, as maybe over the top as it could possibly be, would, would be something like the following. Let's say that somewhere in a forest, a random lightning strike from a storm starts a fire. And in that forest, the wildlife starts to uh, run from the flames as the forest fire grows and the smoke begins to uh, push push the wildlife out. And as a deer is running through this forest to try and escape the flames, the, the young deer falls down a, a short little cliff and breaks a leg, can no longer run away from the flames, but is still not hurt enough to where the injury is, gonna, is going to kill the deer. And so what ends up happening is out of sight of any human, out of sight of any anyone who might see this and somehow witness it, this animal is just stuck for a couple days as the flames from this forest fire and the smoke slowly work its way toward this deer who can now no longer move. And this deer lays in pain with a broken leg for days until they are finally uh, over overwhelmed with the smoke and the fire and they succumb to the the flames. Someone would look at an example like that, and again, it's just a hypothetical example, but they would look at that and say, that is absolutely gratuitous. There is no possible good that can come out of that, especially if there was no one around to see it. It just happened. And what's the deal with that? There, there's no possible good that could come out of a situation like that. And, and to that, I want to spend today's episode just addressing that in a couple different ways. I want us to consider uh, a couple different ways to maybe think about a question like this, uh, really from an apologetic standpoint. On the one hand, and, and this is something that I think is it's important to sort of distinguish, is... When it comes to, let's say an example like this of an animal suffering, we need to be very careful as Christians especially, but just in general as people, we need to be very careful that we don't impose a moral framework onto nature that that really doesn't exist. And, and what I mean by that is when we look at, say, a shark who attacks a seal and kills the seal. We would all say that the shark kills the seal, but we wouldn't say that the shark murders the seal. Or when a dolphin 
because this is common in that animal uh, species. When a dolphin forcibly mates with another dolphin, we would say that that dolphin forcibly mates with that dolphin, but we wouldn't say that that dolphin raped the other dolphin. Or for instance, if you're at the beach and a seagull happens to fly by your table and they get a little too comfortable and they they grab a handful of, or a beakful, I should say, of your French fries that you're enjoying on the beach and they fly off with them. We can say that the seagull took some of your food, but we wouldn't say that it stole or that it's guilty of theft. And my point is to say that in nature, it seems very obvious to us that there are certain right or wrong things that we would say if a human did that, that would be wrong. They would deserve to be punished for that. But we wouldn't hold the animal world to the same to the same standard. We just wouldn't. And in the same way, when it comes to things like death and suffering, I, I think that there is something to this idea that when a animal dies, in the example that I just gave, while it is unfortunate and while it is, I can think I could say it's not good, it's not the same kind of not good as when a tsunami happens to wipe out an island that is populated by people and hundreds or thousands of people lose their lives. If hundreds of animals lose their life in a forest fire, that is not, again, all things being equal, the same level of suffering or bad as when a murderer goes on a killing spree in a shopping mall and brings a gun into the mall and shoots dozens of, of people and, and murders people. It's just not the same. So we need to make that distinction is to say that, yes, it's bad, but we shouldn't necessarily call it evil in the same way that we would call human evil evil. After all, especially if people don't believe in God in the first place, it's interesting to me that this charge sometimes gets levied against Christians or against God by people who don't believe in God. And that's interesting because if you don't believe in God, if you believe that the material world is all that exists, if you are someone that would subscribe to, say, a Darwinian uh, version of explaining the history of the world, then it's odd to me, to say the least, that you would have any comment whatsoever about the goodness or badness, quote unquote, of anything that goes on in nature. Because on that worldview, whatever goes on in nature just is. There's nothing good or bad about it. And so you can say that you don't like that particular thing, but you can't say that it's bad. And so it's it's just a it's an it's an area of I think dissonance or, or inconsistency to accuse God of somehow wrongdoing if you really don't believe that there is any such thing as objective right and wrong. Now, if you're asking a Christian to explain how on their own worldview they can be consistent, I think what I just said about making this distinction between the natural world and the moral world in which people find themselves, uh, that there's two different standards there, I think that's one way we can approach it as believers. 
but there's another way to, to approach it as well and something to consider. So if I, if I ask you to, to go with me on this sort of hypothetical, so let's say that you and I are in a room together and you are blindfolded and I walk into this room and I pause and I take a look around and I say to you while you're blindfolded, it seems to me that there isn't a Bengal tiger in this room with us right now. Now you don't know because you're blindfolded. So the question for you is how willing are you to trust my judgment on that? When I look around the room and say, seems to me there isn't a Bengal tiger in here. I would assume if you have, you know, unless you have trust issues in general, that you're pretty willing to take my word for it, that a Bengal tiger would pretty obviously stand out in a small room. Now, what if in the same scenario, I walk into that room and you're blindfolded and I look around and I declare that it seems to me that there is no carbon monoxide in this room right now. Now, how different is your willingness to trust my assessment on that? I would hope that your, your willingness to trust my assessment would go considerably down compared to the Bengal tiger. And the reason is that while I am in a position to accurately assess whether there is or isn't a tiger in the room, I'm not in a position to accurately assess just in and of my own senses whether or not a odorless, colorless, tasteless, deadly gas is in the room with us. That's just not an assessment that I am in a position to make. And so the key question that we need to ask is if it, whatever it happens to be, were true, how likely am I to know it? to feed that back into our examples. If there were a Bengal tiger in the room, how likely would you be to know it? Well, assuming that you have all your senses intact, highly likely. But on the other hand, if carbon monoxide or any other deadly, odorless, tasteless, colorless gas were in the room, how likely would you be to know it? Extremely unlikely. And so the question that we need to ask as we sort of loop this back around to the question of gratuitous suffering is the charge that gets laid at the feet of Christians or, or at God's feet is that we look at an example and we assume that it's gratuitous. We assume that there could not possibly be any overarching reason for it. There could be no good that could come out of it. But the question we need to ask is the same one as the, the tiger and the, the carbon monoxide. It is if there were somehow a good reason for this suffering to be allowed by God, how likely would you and I be to know it? I would argue that we're a lot closer to the, the carbon monoxide territory than we are the Bengal tiger territory because you and I don't have the mind of God. We don't have the perspective of God. We don't have the command of all of time and all of space and the omniscience that God has. So really, are, are we really in a position to look at in something that we can see from our very limited perspective and declare for a fact that there can be no possible overarching good reason for that suffering, that there could be nothing that could possibly come out of it that could be good? I think we've overstated our case. I don't think we're in a position to make a claim like that because we are just far, far too limited in our perspective. And so when it comes to the question of gratuitous suffering, I think that one of the ways that we can take a response is to say, well, 
it depends on what kind of suffering we're talking about. If humans are not involved, then we need to make a distinction about whether something is just the way that the natural world is or whether it's truly morally wrong. On the other hand, we can also even take a different route entirely and just to say, how can we possibly know the answer to a question about whether the suffering that seems gratuitous to us is in fact actually gratuitous? And it seems to me that we just, we can't make a statement like that, not definitively. So in our next episodes, we're going to talk about some of the things that scripture says about suffering and the purpose that suffering serves in all of our lives, or at least is intended to serve in the life of believers. So I hope you'll join me then. 